<laughs> Pot of gold. Hello and welcome to the final episode of Ramble by the River. I'm your host, Jeff Nesbitt, and we've got a great series finale for you planned today. Just kidding. April Fool's, bitches. It is April 1st, the year of our Lord, 2022. And we've got a great show for you today. Far from being the last episode. In fact, quite the contrary. This is part one of a two-part episode featuring local hero, Chris Hill. Chris has been a coach of mine, been a coach of my wife, been a coach of my son, probably been a coach of your kid if you live around here. And he's a great guy, and we talked for far too long for one episode. So we split it up and I'm doing it in two pieces. Also because I'm trying to get out of town tomorrow for a bachelor party, which should be fun. My buddy Colton Chalker, featured in the show, friend of the show, you know him, he's getting married to Hannah Bolden, another friend of the show. So we're gonna go celebrate him with some skiing, snowboarding up on Mount Hood. So that'll be cool. I mean, maybe, I hope so. The trip will be cool. The skiing, the snowboarding part, yeah, I, you know, yeah, I can take it or leave it. You know me. Ramble by the River is made available to you for free thanks to the generous support of our listeners. Now, we all know I love each and every one of my listeners, but there's a special group of listeners who have gone through the time to go to ramblebytheriver.com and click that subscribe link at the top of the page, select a subscription tier, and subscribe to the Patreon page. And we call them the Ram Fam. The Ram Fam each pay a little bit, and because of that, I'm able to make this show. I can pay for the web hosting, I can pay for the website, you know, the, the podcast, RSS feed, player, facilitator, the people who I pay to distribute this show. It's paid for by the listeners, so I really appreciate that. And I would like to give a special shout out to Hillary Trusty. She is our newest Royal Rambler, and she's got a t-shirt coming in the mail. So Hillary, I hope you put the right t-shirt size in and a correct shipping address. And thank you so much for being a part of the Ram Fam. I really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to join the Ram Fam, there are a couple different ways you can do that. You need to end up at patreon.com slash ramblebytheriver, and you can get there with a direct link on ramblebytheriver.com. Top of the page, says subscribe, click that. Just posted a new episode exclusively for Patreon last week. So if you're a member, go ahead and check that out if you haven't already. It's called Ramble on the Road, Shalan. And that it is just some of my thoughts about life that I had on the way driving home from Shalan, Washington. It's a good one. So thank you again to our Patreon subscribers. You make all of this possible and we love you. It's starting to rain. I hate that. I think it's time for news and current events. Listen, guys, I didn't want to talk about this, but I can't stop thinking about it. And as much as I don't want to be into celebrity gossip, this shit intrigues me. Will Smith bitch slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars. And the world stood still for just a second while we tried to figure out what the fuck just happened. And I got to say, after a few days, this happened, I think, on Sunday, Time of recording is Thursday, time of release. It's going to be Friday. It's been a few days since this happened, but essentially Chris Rock was hosting the Oscars. Will Smith and his lovely wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, were sitting in the front row. And obviously Chris Rock is paid to say jokes. He's going to make fun of people at 
the Oscars. That's his job. He says one joke about Jada Pinkett Smith's hair or lack thereof. I believe it was a G.I. Jane reference, which... Okay, that's the best you got, huh? Pretty lame joke, really. Couldn't come up with anything better than G.I. Jane. We have Joe Rogan, a very famous bald man who's in the news daily. Could have made a Joe Rogan joke. You know? That's what I would have done. But, you know, then again, I'm not hosting the Oscars. Yeah, actually, that would be a good one. Or I would have pretended to confuse her with a bald man. That's what I would have done. That's a mean-ass joke. That deserves a bitch slap. But what Chris Rock said was just like, uh, what was it? Will Smith and Jada are here. Jada, G.I. Jane 2. Can't wait to see. That's what he said. Pretty mild. If you don't remember, which probably you don't because who the fuck cares? Are you, who even saw that movie? G.I. Jane was a movie from the 90s where Demi Moore, fresh off her fame from Showgirls. <clears throat> Wrong movie. Which, let's face it, that's a classic. Was it Showgirls? No. I don't know. What's the movie where Demi Moore got naked? Everyone was real happy about that. It was Striptease. Came out in 1996, the year before G.I. Jane. And in Striptease, Demi Moore has to become a stripper because she's, I think she's either on the run from a bad relationship, her husband's a thief and a criminal, and she becomes a stripper to save her daughter. It's a very heartwarming film. Well, anyway, height of her fame, she decides, I'm going to take this movie where I play a soldier. And the commanding officer was Viggo Mortensen of Lord of the Rings fame. And he's pretty good. But in this, he plays a mean man, a drill sergeant. And, you know, to get back at Viggo Mortenstein, Demi Moore shaves her head like one of the guys. It was a big cultural moment, and we all forgot about it until Sunday when Chris Rock decided to reference that movie in a mild joke at Jada Pinkett Smith's bald head. So, the joke goes off, people pretend to laugh, and it's all good, right? Will Smith right there in the mix pretending to laugh with everybody else, and then Jada shoots him a look. She shoots him a look that says, this is why I fuck other people, because you don't stand up for me. You're a weak man. You're a weak man, and everybody here knows it, and they can all see it, and they're all laughing at you. They're laughing at you and your small dick, Will. And so Will says, no, no, I, I can't let this happen. And he, and he gets up. Keep in mind, Will Smith, at this point in his life, he's, he's very emotional, highly volatile, highly volatile state. He's, he's been nominated for Best Actor, and this will be his first Oscar. So he's obviously, he's keyed up. He's ready to go. And on top of that, in the last couple years, he's been getting a lot of shit. A lot of shit about how he is as a husband and as a father. And I mean, he's constantly in the news. People are always criticizing him and talking shit about him and mentioning how his wife fucks other people. How fucking rude is that? But he's a public figure, right? If this, I mean, if that was my life, I would kind of want to keep it private. But they went on TV and they talked about that. And I think that had to have hurt his manhood. So coming from that, People are making fun of him, and now this. And now Chris Rock, out of all the people in the room, Chris Rock picks Jada Pinkett Smith to make a bald joke about. And Will says, okay, I was fine with it. I was going to be cool about it, but clearly my wife is upset. I got to do something about this or I'll be punished later. So he gets up. He walks across the stage very casually and just slaps the fuck out of Chris Rock. 
turns back around, he walks back, goes back to his seat. Now, if you've ever slapped the shit out of somebody in public, you'll remember it is very emotional. It comes along with a very uh, powerful dose of adrenaline. You could see that on Will Smith's face. His hands were shaking and he was, his lips were quivering and he was noticeably upset. And he screamed, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. And he screamed it twice at Chris Rock. And Chris Rock was still kind of like, what the fuck just happened? And he's like, okay, uh, I'm going to. And then he actually had to just go back to work and get, get on with his job. It was the most bizarre shit. And then get this, Will Smith wins a fucking Oscar, gets up there, gives a long speech where he cries a bunch, which is normal for the Oscars. But, you know, he apologizes in a way, but not really. Definitely not to Chris Rock. And he kind of just rationalizes it. He says, oh, you know, as a public figure, you're, you're supposed to take all this criticism and just people, you know, berating you and making you feel bad all the time. And that's part of it. And I just, I can't take it anymore. I got to protect my family. I love my family. I love everybody, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's not my fault is basically what he said. And the fact that he was allowed to make that speech in the first place is a testament to just how fucked up Hollywood is. Because, I mean, if it were anybody else, he would have been escorted out of the building in handcuffs. Not a good look. So I know what you're thinking. Jeff, you fool. How could you be so blind? Obviously, this is a publicity stunt. And I think you might be right. I've seen some stuff on the internet over the last couple of days that lead me to believe that it most likely was planned. And, and a, a few, a, a couple things about the incident just didn't quite read as true to me. The first thing being that everyone just went on with the show. He got an Oscar. It was like, wow. The second thing that was a bit of a red flag to me was the fact that Chris Rock refused to press charges. I can absolutely see Will Smith and Chris Rock, even like it could have been just those two. Those are the only two we know for sure were involved because we watched their involvement happen on live TV. But, you know, most likely there's a producer or something in there too. Who knows? Saying, hey, you guys, nobody gives a shit about the Oscars anymore. They're not watching this shit. And the internet has forgot about us completely. So we need to do something to make this a little bit more popular. What do you got? And Chris Rock is like, hey, Will Smith could bitch slap me. I mean, that would be cool. What if I insult him and he bitch slaps me? Will Smith, the much larger man, is like, hey, yo. What if I bitch slapped Chris Rock? But who knows? I'm not in Hollywood. Maybe he's just he's got the golden hand. And think of how strategic that part of it is. He didn't punch him. He's not a barbarian. He just gave him a little love slap. I mean, that's the nice way to hit somebody. That's how you hit a girl. Obviously, that's a joke, you fucks. Shut up. You don't hit a girl. Honestly, you shouldn't probably hit anybody. I'm trying to picture the different people in the audience, and I think most of you aren't going to ever probably strike somebody in the rest of your whole life, but many of you will. And if you do it with an open hand, you will get in less trouble. Just a tip about the next time you decide to assault somebody. Also, spitting on somebody is not even, I mean, you'd have to have a pretty strict court to prosecute for that. So I say if you have to express your displeasure with somebody, you know, your outrage, just spit in their face. I think you'll find it's a much better option. It gets your point across and you don't have to hit anybody. You don't have a broken hand or a broken friendship. I have a feeling 
Chris Rock and Will Smith are going to be a little bit frosty with each other from now on. Mostly because Chris didn't get a hit him back. If they would have just gone into it right on the stage there and they just had a fucking brawl, I think Chris Rock probably would have got his ass kicked, unfortunately, even though I like him better. But after it all, they would have been the best of friends. I think anybody who's ever been in a fight with somebody who they're friends with knows that. It's, it's the truth. It's just a bonding experience. But getting your shit bitch slapped in front of all of your peers while you're in charge? Oh, no. That's not good. That is a big time affront to the masculinity. I don't, I just don't know. I just, I think their relationship will suffer. If Will would have just got up there and hocked a loogie into his eye, the whole thing could have been over by now. People would have got the point. Don't be making fun of Jada's hair. She has no control over it. It's alopecia. You fuck. Get on with the show. Give me my Oscar, bitch. Wipe that spit out your eye. That's what I would have said. I'd have handed him a napkin, actually, after I spit in his face. Never a slap. I wouldn't have thrown a slap. No way. I'm not going to jail. Not me. They're not going to arrest this black man. This is if I'm Will. Anyway, I digress. So a lot of people are saying it was staged. Most people are still not acknowledging that it was or was not. And they're just, you know, blaming Will Smith for his failure to control his emotions, which seemed pretty legit, you know. I'm sure years from now we'll find out the true story about whether or not it was actually staged, but I kind of think it was. There's a certain angle of a still frame from the video of the slap where you can see Will is cocked back and Chris is kind of leaning into it and like bracing and smiling, almost like, all right, this is like we talked about, here we go. I even saw one that, that made it look like there's a little pad on his face or like a band-aid type thing where he gets hit, but who knows, who knows? What I do know is we're talking about the Oscars, aren't we? So it worked. I saw this on Twitter like minutes after it happened. I didn't ever watch any of it on TV. I bet you didn't either. People are going to start doing crazier and crazier shit to get the appropriate amount of attention that they need. When your business is in attention, you have to. You have to get that attention somehow. I'm naked right now, just so you will listen to this. Come over here, I'll bitch slap you. Get a little free press. All press is good press, you know? So get your thick ass over here and get bitch slapped. And listen to Ramble by the River. My point is this. Attention is currency. So whenever you find somebody has captured your attention, pay attention. You know? Pay attention to what they're trying to do. What they're using your attention for. What they're doing to you. When somebody has your attention, that they have a hold of your inner world, they can do and say things that are going to have a direct impact on you. On how you feel and how you've experienced this reality. I know it sounds weird to kind of frame it in that way, but that's the truth. Words are like magic, magic spells. You, I, I can say a, a string of syllables, and if I say them in the right order with the right tonation and inflection, they can have profound effects on you, whether I'm right in front of your face or whether I'm doing it through a podcast. They can make you have all kinds of feelings. They can make you get enraged. I can make your body literally heat up. I can make your heart work faster or slower. My point is this, our words matter. You have an effect on other people and it's a pretty, pretty dramatic one. So, I'm, you know, I mean, I could say words and then your body just spontaneously will just start shuddering and, and like convulsing and noise will come out of your face and your face will contort into this weird curved mouth thing. That's called laughing, you know? 
abracadabra. You know, words become matter. I wonder what that actually is. I just heard that the other day on a podcast, abracadabra. It's actually like Sanskrit for our thoughts become matter or words become matter or something like that. Words become life. I don't know. Let's Google that. Ding! Okay, so it's actually from the Aramaic phrase, avra kadabra, meaning I will create as I speak. Anyway, I thought that was pretty interesting. So the Illuminati are having a tiff. Chris and Will are having a little bit of a fight. So we'll see how that shakes out. But congratulations to Will Smith on the Oscar. You deserved it, buddy. Will, I might as well just get to the show with the long one. It's going to be a two-parter, so we're going to cut it halfway through and, and put the other half on next week. So you'll have that to look forward to. My guest today is a local. He's a coach. I've known him for a really long time, and although we've never gotten really close, I've always really liked Chris. He's just a super nice guy, very down-to-earth, easy to talk to. And he cares a lot about the community. And that's very obvious when you talk to him. He's, we need more people like him around here. It's just, he's a really good guy. So we talked about lots of locals in this one. We really didn't get off into any esoteric topics or anything like that. We pretty much kept it real local. Talked about local issues and local people. A lot of stuff about history and sports and what it's like to be a coach and all of the important things that are involved there. It's a good show. But beyond that, we got to learn a little bit more about Chris and his youth and how he became a Peninsula local in the first place, where he came from and what his upbringing was like. We get lots of good information that I never knew before. He's a great dad. He's a great coach. And he's a really fun guy to talk to. So without further ado, please enjoy part one of the interview with the wisecracking and timeless Chris Hill. How you doing, Chris? Good, yourself? Good. There's Poppy. I was just about to act like I was happy to see that you brought your dog, but I realized this is my dog, and Come she on, can get the fuck out of here. Come on. It's Sawyer's fault. I know, and I'm going to yell at him. Man, that is a beautiful truck. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's, I uh, love my old Ford, but my sweetheart's a Chevy, on this. Yeah. Chevy girl, so oh, yeah. I don't a Chevy, but I was too cheap to buy a diesel. I That's stuck with same this with gas. Me. Yeah, I'm like, screw that. So. Do people ask you everywhere you go when they talk about your truck? Is it the diesel? Yeah, like, like do you see the Duramax on there? I'm like, yeah. no. That's $30,000 in my pocket versus in somebody <laughs> else's. But Yeah, I get that all the time with the Canyon. Um, the headphones are optional, but most yeah, people I, like them. If you wouldn't believe it or not, um, I went over to Astoria and I'm like, oh, nothing to listen to. So I put in number one oh. with the Hulk. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. Have you seen him lately? He scares me. He's got to have gained 30 pounds. He was at 
It is different with the headphones. Yeah. I might take them off after a bit. You want to be about five or six inches away from the mic. That's a good distance there. I'd get even closer. Okay. No, but like he's, about him, I he was at the Schnook Park, and he's wearing um, his uh, man capri pants. Yeah. You know, they're just barely covering his knees. And I'm like, holy shit, that's Jeff, because you can't miss him now. I mean, yeah. he's, I mean, he was a big boy when you guys were in high school, but now he's... I don't even know. He had his shirt off at because he does those Instagram power lifts. And I'm like, holy crap. It's one thing on Instagram, though, because you see it's compared to other people like that. But yeah. in real life, it's like he's a yeah. man mountain. Well, he works with uh, Dustin, my br- brother in law. And uh, he's just like, yeah, that guy just grabs shit and just puts it up where it doesn't, you know, where a normal person would go, and he just grabs it with one hand. So, yeah, he's always been strong, but now he's. Uh, he doesn't like it when you call it bodybuilding, I think. No, uh, yeah. I don't he's think- He's built he, his body. Yeah. He's, I mean, I guess if you do whatever they do and then get pumped up right before the show and then he definitely would look funnier and shit tan. I keep telling him he, he should do a show. <laughs> I think it, I think he'd be- Because they do that spray successful. tan and rub out the baby oil all over their body and he'd probably forget and have like, his neck would be all white and, you know- People so, wouldn't even recognize yeah, him. Yeah, so, but- Anyways, I got, I know you're from your experience. I know you've been recording since I walk up the stairs, but I'm making sure my phone's all turned off. Oh, yeah. I like that. Okay, my phone's here. So, so I'll, I'm going to take a couple pictures of you while we're yeah. talking, if that's cool. Yeah, I wear my Christmas flannel too, just for that occasion. That's so. like the local uniform. Yeah, that's, yeah. Everybody loves a good <laughs> red, 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 black flannel. <laughs> so, welcome to Ramble by the River. It's really good to have you here. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. I've known you for, a long time, forever, my entire adult life, and we've never really got to know each other all that well. It's very uh, surface level, which is fine, which is fine. That's how I know most yeah. people. But uh, yeah, we're going to dig into it today. You were in high school. This is funny that you have this show because in my brain of you is you were just a guy with his nose in the dirt, with his ass up in the air, hiking the ball between his legs, and we're quiet. Yeah. You didn't, I didn't remember you being one of the loud kids, you know. I really never was. Yeah, you have, you had the chalker boys for doing that kind of stupid shit, so. Yeah, they like to talk when, yeah. you know. I love those kids. <laughs> They're knuckleheads, but I yeah. loved them, so. I've always kind of gravitated towards friends like that who are real gregarious. and They draw kinda, attention from you. Yeah, exactly. So I was, unfortunately, I was the loud mouth because I was usually the smallest mm-hmm. and I was, trying to get street cred or whatever so i'd run my mouth but finally i grew whatever my sophomore year but still i was a punk probably a little bit but yeah that doesn't go away right away no so it's it's a i don't know it's a high school was an experience so yeah it's a it's a tough time pretty much across the board yeah and it's tougher now it's, it seems like it. Yeah, I mean, I got kids in in high school. So right. what are what are all the ages of your kids? Okay, I have uh, five total kids, and I have I was three from a previous marriage, three boys, and their ages right now are twenty, eighteen, and thirteen. And I have a stepson who's thirteen, and then I have a, my daughter, which your daughter, they're both four years old right now, and. As you well know, that's the boss of the house, and oh, yeah. <laughs> she runs my life. And just went into dentist company two days ago, and I said, "You're not getting anything." And we walked out of the store, and she had something. So I just, I'm, I'm whipped. Toy so, section? Yes. They she, don't even have good toys. No, it was a stupid uh, squishy uh, 
pig with mm-hmm. you squeeze it and it, it looks like it's out of the tumor and then it, then she's thrown it away now she doesn't even play with it anymore but yeah that's that was the way it is with all the toys four dollars yeah yeah but, I, I i love cheap toys for that reason because yeah. they're just disposable yeah. but uh, unlike my but i mean luckily the kids older boys like the thousands and thousands of dollars of legos that are in my house that they put them together once and they're just shoved in a in a big box and they scatter them about the you floor can't e- i can't even on. can't even uh put them in a box and sell them you know like oh this is the star wars thing no it's i don't have all the pieces for it so yeah oh well it's only money right did they actually like build the models that yeah. came on the box yeah. Okay. But, yeah i could never get i could never do that they put them together and look at them once and then that's it i never did that either i just would make my own stuff me like, too yeah and but now but when i was a kid which just tell you i'm almost 50 so which is crazy yeah which yeah crazy you but, honestly you look very, very similar to the day I met you, which was twenty years ago. It's yeah. Then I take my hat off. Then I then I show my age. So. Well, you were bald then. Yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I had had hair all the way until I went into the army, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Well, we're going to cut your hair every week," and I'm like, "What the hell?" And then next thing you know, it's like it's not growing back. Oh, okay. help! Help! <laughs> Got you. Did you uh, have long hair before that? I. I don't. Back then, long hair wasn't the thing. Yeah. When I was in junior high, yeah, everybody had the flowing feathered hair in the front and Wait, mullet. So what, what was that? The early nineties? Yeah, I Grunge. I graduated ninety one, and then up in there, and then but then I played sports, so I kept my hair pretty short. And then actually, my junior senior year, my best friend Brian Long and I, we were flat top guys. Oh, okay. buzz cut flat top. There was an old barber in Long Beach. He actually lived in Chinook. I can't remember his last name, but his name is Jerry. And that cat, he'd put you in your, the chair and he would friggin' just say every cuss word. And we're in high school and you know, you don't, you don't cuss around older people. And he was saying, I mean, I just be real. He's like, these cocksuckers come down with their $70,000 motor homes and they park wherever they fucking want and rob Pukers. Pukers. And then he'd be shaving her head the whole time. And he goes, all right, that's, that's it, kid. Get the hell out of here. And Eight dollars later, we're out the door. So I love a haircut like that. It was yeah, <clears throat> plain and simple, and in buzz cut, and we'd have this uh, stuff you put in the front so it'd spike up in front. And, oh yeah, I remember the nineties. But, but yeah, get those frosted tips. Yep, I had that. Let's. Uh, <laughs> I got a. I should. I should, that should be the cover for this one. We'll, since we'll talk about, you know, good buddy Ned. I got a picture of him at my house, and uh, we had his hair pulled through the the cap and it's uh, all get frosted and everything like that oh so. you frosted ned's tips for him yeah i think yeah that's a good friend yeah it's good yeah <laughs> i think i might have had help from the old lady at the time but yeah he was there in the house you know had our muscle shirts on so of course. it made it look more manly and yeah. stuff like that so hey tough guys can groom yeah it's all right yeah <laughs> grooming's important mm-hmm. i'm trying to tell my older boys that i go i'm like I might the next Christmas you guys are getting the what is that the lawnmower? Oh, the manscape. Manscape, yeah, and they're like looking at me like because both of them are the uh, I don't how would you put it? They're not a lady friendly. They don't have like the women all over them, and then they're too shy to go like, hey, you know, what's want to go to the movies and shit. Like so they're that. normal. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So I, I think that most boys at that age are like that. The ones that are that do have the ladies. They're the freaks. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. Well, I have a Aiden who is in the seventh grade with your son. He's got a girlfriend already. That's, how does he do that? And I mean, it's not like a serious thing, but yeah. I just like, hey, he has a, you know, Rubik's cubes that are 
all different shapes. He has a triangle shaped one and uh, he lost it and he was upset about it because he's he can do a Rubik's Cube in like under a minute. He all scrambled. Wow. So, so he, he lost it and I go, hey, where'd you find that at? He goes, well, uh, well, I can't remember her name. We'll just leave her name out of this. But uh, she bought it for me. I'm like, what? You already got women buying you stuff? I'm like, holy smoke. So, and the best thing is, I mean, I'm, you know, worried about my kids, but I don't have to worry about anything because Candy will just, she'll deal with all the, the women if they're giving our boys crap or anything like that. So, but I'm, I'm just gearing myself up for junior high for my daughter. I'm like, I'm going to have to go see Hilton and make sure I can still lift some weights and, you know, don't uh, be calling my daughter in the middle of the night or who knows by then what the hell is going to be going on. So, It'll be a hologram. There'll be yeah. a hologram of some teenage boy in your living room. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> or she'll be sneaking off to the metaverse to meet oh, boys. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm, 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 that's the biggest thing in my life right now is, is like what the future holds for my children. And like right now, like my oldest boys, they want to move out and do stuff. One's a senior, but they talk about it, but shit, they, Rent is more than than mortgage payment now. So it's almost, well, shit, we might as well just buy a house and you guys live in it and pay the mortgage payment, but you can't buy a house now because they're freaking through the roof, you know, yeah, and then find and, and, and find trying to find one. So so we've been talking about, you know, like what you got here, a pole building and have living quarters in it. And but then again, that beats the whole purpose of, of moving out. Kind of kind of a little it's bit. It's almost transitional. Yeah. You get a little bit of that independence without having to be actually out there on your own. But I talked to somebody, I wish I could give them the credit for this information, but we talked about the generational families coming back again to where, um, and I know they do this in Hawaii a lot, like a lot of, you know, you got your grandma still living there and the parents and then the kids are still living there and they just got, they function that way. A so. lot of cultures do that, that's the norm. Yeah. It makes a lot more sense pragmatically, like yeah. you have someone to do childcare. Yeah. You have someone to do elder care. Like there's someone to take care of somebody else yeah. on every level. You, you speaking of that. But child, you got to hang out with your parents. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's just like, you're like, oh shit, like they're home right now. You yeah. Know? <laughs> but like childcare, that's huge. And, and I know from listening that you and I benefit from having great mother-in-laws. Hugely. Oh my Lord. But they, what do you say? That's a grand a month we're saving or more or more yeah and just the sanity yeah like, and, and the opportunities you have because you have available child child care with family. yeah and the, and the and the knowing that they're safe mm -hmm. and everything like that so i know you daughter started preschool i heard you talk about that harbor hasn't started preschool yet we were going to and then something came up and i think oh i know what i think it was uh we got the covid hit our oh, house yeah, yeah so the yeah. good old C19. Did, did Harbor have any kind of symptoms? Because Amelia had, had no symptoms. She had a fever, went through the oh. freaking roof. Yeah, and we had to, you know, do Motrin, Tylenol, and, you know, keep it on a four hour pace. And it was like, and then she'd have a huge headache, and it was, it was bad. And then um, Candy got it too. And so they're locked in the bedroom at the one end of the house, and, you know, text messages and knocks on doors and every, trying to keep everything going. And in the middle of that, I'm coaching basketball. And so I'm like, all right, I got to leave tonight. It was that one week where we had like a basketball game every damn night oh, of the yeah. week. And I think Sawyer had That was just, a week before yeah, or Sawyer, week after Sawyer. Yeah, Sawyer just, just, yeah, came back and, and you know, Mr. Uh, no Emotions, he just, yeah, I'm fine. I didn't have any problems, you know. He really didn't. He, he yeah. handled it like a champ. Well, he, because I, that kid, I love him to death. He's got 
an old soul in a, a kid's body. And absolutely, and he's just like, even if he was sick, he's like, I'm showing up to work. I mean, he would have said the same. Yeah, thing. it was like, yeah. school's work. I'm going to come to work and. You know, screw you, teacher lady. I'm just got a little cough, you know. So, but he's a good old boy. Yeah, and I—that's the one thing about him. Like when I remember, was that was it last year that it was or a year before he went to Alaska. Last year was yeah. his first year. I remember talking to Melissa, and she was like, "Oh, you know, the mom thing." And I'm like, "He, who's he going with?" I go, "You got to trust the ship that he's going with." You know, he's the OG up there. Anyway. Yeah, and then he's unfortunately, yes, he's gonna see a lot of bad shit. He's going to see it, but he's smart enough to know, like, oh, I don't want to do that, so I'm going to step over on this side. Yeah. So He's and, he's co- totally comfortable in that world. Oh, yeah. Big time. I'm actually more worried about him not seeing other stuff. Yeah, like, think, oh, I just want to be a fisherman and maybe yeah. not do something else. Yeah. Because he's so into it. But, I mean, that's that's really, it really is great that he loves it that much. I just, I hope he at some time gets curious about other stuff, yeah. too. It, yeah, as he gets older, I'm sure he will. But, I mean... It's that money that's that gets money you that talk. hooks that I mean I got I don't know if you say lucky I was 16 and my stepdad was a drag fisherman and it's like we're gonna fish for him and I'm like getting all the boat ready well it's Friday night and oh we don't go out on the ocean on Friday nights we that's a superstition so at midnight we'll untie and it'll be Saturday and we'll go I'm like well I'm hungry so I went to McDonald's and fired down a 20 piece chicken nugget and a and a you know, back then there was a burger. I think it was the McDLT, like hot side hot and cool side cool, and you slap it together. And I fired that and fries and milkshake, normal sixteen year old kid stuff. Oh yeah. And I went to sleep, and I woke up, and I'm like, everything's going up and down and up and down. And then I started puking. And oh. Then three God. days of puking, and I was puking up blood, and it was rough. He said, but he took me into. We left. Astoria, he took me to Westport, Washington. The boat touched the dock. I stepped off. He didn't tie up nothing. He already called my mom from that huge brick phone, cell phone that you had way back in the day. And so my mom drove from Long Beach to Westport, Washington, picked me up. And I still was sick for like three days afterwards. And I said, screw this. Fishing's not for me. Yeah. And I'll never want to work on the water ever, ever. And now look at me. I've got a job where I work with boats and on the water and I mean, we don't go out and constantly work on the water up and down pulling crab pots or anything like that. But if we have to go do our stuff, we got to go do it on the water and stuff. So Probably not with a 20-piece in you. No, not no, never. Like, like we already got guys I work with like, oh, God, last time I went out, I had greasy uh, Costco pizza, and then that didn't settle good. I'm like, it's better just to just – I if I feel sick, I just – I'll go make myself throw up. And then, Me too. And get to work. And just, yeah. As long as I got something to do, but if I'm sitting there and I'm going up and down or laying there trying to watch TV or whatever we got going on, it's like, nope, just go out and twiddle your thumbs, fresh air. Nothing more miserable than being stuck on a boat when you're seasick. Oh, yeah. That feeling, it's like claustrophobia mixed with just, tor- it's torture. Yeah. I, I'm fine if I'm on the deck, like I can I can deal with that just fine. I don't even feel sick when I can, because I feel like I'm riding the boat, mm-hmm. but if I'm in a cabin and there's walls or and there's not enough windows or something and I don't feel the air movement then my body just gets confused it was like what 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 the fuck are we doing here this yeah. room seems to be swinging all <laughs> over the place and then I get sick like in, in 5 minutes yeah i work our big boat that we have that's the beds are just single beds and if you and it's a flat bottom boat it's a huge boat i think it's what 208 feet long but it's flat bottom so when you get any kind of waves and it, i have 
little bit of experience being out on the ocean with it, but the little bit I have, it was time to go to sleep. And then I, I was, I said, screw that uh, wool blanket. I'm going to sleep in my sleeping bag. Well, I didn't even think anything of it. We rolled a little bit in my slippery sleeping bag, <laughs> and I went sliding right off the. There, I'm like, God damn it! So can't put your arms up. Yeah, to catch no, you. yeah. I was, it was done. It was like boom, and I hit the hit the ground. So, and the guy next to me, he goes, "Are you all right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm fine. Just, just forget we saw this, right?" Oh, so that's pretty early to start working. Is that was that your first job? No, my first job. Let's go back in my memory. You strike me as someone who's been working your whole life. Yeah. So let's, we'll go back, clear back to when I was a young kid and really young. I, I moved from the Dallas, Oregon. I want to say we moved to Owaco in the sixth grade. So, so birth to fifth grade, I lived in the Dallas, Oregon, and I would spend all my summers with my grandpa on a farm and he raised horses. And so that was my first job, but not paid as I would shovel and horse shit and, and feeding and doing all stuff. But it was, Five o'clock, you woke up. Five thirty, you're in the barn and did your chores. Fed the horses. Went up, ate breakfast. It's always eggs, bacon, sausage, you know that kind of stuff. Back down, grooming, cleaning, all that all day long. And in the Dallas, if it's summertime because it's hotter than hell, it's 100 and some degrees. And then just did that. And then fast forward to when I moved here, I was lived with a single mother, and uh, I had. She came out of a relationship, had no money, nothing, grew up poor, really poor. We had a four, we, I'm not even, this is a, not even a joke. One week we went from driving a Porsche 911 to a Pinto, Ford Pinto in oh, one that, week. Those are both such symbols, like yes. class symbols yeah. with cars. They both were hatchbacks. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but the pen, it was brand new. There was, I think my mom blew every ounce of money she had just to have a car so we could leave a relationship that she was in. My, because my grandpa pulled up in his horse trailer and said, we're out of here. We are going to Long Beach. And I said, I'm not moving to Long Beach. And he goes, you're going to, my grandpa didn't hardly cuss at me except for calling me a dumbass every once in a while because I was doing dumb shit. But uh, he said, you're going to go take care of your fucking mom down there and be the man of the house. And I'm like in fifth grade. So I'm like, yes, sir. Because so he, he was it. my real role model because I don't, I've never known my biological father at all. He took off before I was even born. So my grandpa was my male role model. He did what he said. So we moved to Long Beach. This place sucks. Uh, there's, Especially sucked back then. Yeah. And it had a lot of shit that's different now. I, we were, I was talking to a guy I work with about different stuff in the area. I mean, where that little mall is, is, that's right across from the Neptune Theater. Oh, yeah, yeah, Tinker yeah. Tinkertown, I think that's what, yeah. That used to be a three-wheeler track. Oh, really? Little, like, 50s. It had little three-wheelers when three-wheelers were cool. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, you're not going to die on three-wheeler, but you, I'd wreck it. That was a three-wheeler track, and it had the dune trees all growing up through it. Wow. So when I was really, really young, that's what we'd go ride on, and then the go-karts was just the normal go-karts. But- Back to the job thing. I'm going off track here. Oh, but, feel free. Yeah. Um, um, I started working at our place at the beach. Uh, rest in peace. I know that place. Yeah. yeah. I was a, I was a stripper at the our place at the beach in the fifth fifth grade summer. So I'd you know pulling sheets and stuff, and then cake it over, and the they were doing laundry and just helping the maids. And these, you know, I was making a paycheck, and that paycheck bought my school clothes. Yeah. And then it just went from one job to another, like. Um, guy I work with Gavin, he's like, you've worked 
every fucking place there is. I mean, and every one of them is just a stepping stone to go to different places. But, and then I would, then I would work during the school year, a job around here. But in the summertime, my grandpa said, you need to come be around. I think he was thinking of a male role model style. And so you need to come spend summers with me. And I worked summers and, but I didn't get paid. I just worked my ass off. And then when I turned 16, he goes, I'll buy you a car. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm envisioning this brand new car. I'm working, you know, 12, 14 hours a day in the 100 degree weather. Oh no, he bought me a $1,700 car. It was, it was really nice Toyota, uh, 1977 Toyota Celica. But I'm like, after I thinking of, I'm doing the math in my head, my dumb ass, like $1,700. There's guys running the bumper boats that are making way more money than that. It's and like a dollar an yeah, hour. And they're getting chicks. Uh-huh. I'm up in the frigging, in the boonies with nothing going on. I'm in a wheat field twiddling my thumbs and then it's like, holy crap. I bet you're a lot stronger than them. Yeah, I was. I, we bucked bales of hay and, and alfalfa. That's another thing is hay bales, those were cake. I would do those all day long, but alfalfa, there were three strings and the, and there was none of this bullshit that they got these machines that push it together and stack it on a trailer. It was every bale went up and my grandpa drove the truck and I, he would drive along and I would throw the bales up on there and stack them as high as I could. And then, and then when it was a two man show, we just did as high as I could, but we gave, bring another guy. And then that guy would be on the top and pull him up after that. And, and that was unpaid work, but it also, I wasn't at home lifting weights with Coach McNulty at the weight room. I was bucking bales of hay and learning life lessons and fighting wheat fires and just stuff that. That's good for a kid. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it's kind of like Sawyer. He's off doing mm-hmm. stuff. And I mean, and I, yeah, I'd be around my grandpa's buddies and, you know, they're, you know, telling stories about their wives and how, you know, and I'm like, what the hell? You it know? makes the transition into adulthood smoother. Yeah, you've experienced some of the real world. You're not yeah, just going straight from like school and very organized, yeah. like curated exposures to just being thrown into it. And that's the one thing um, I'll tell on myself is I think I I grew up working hard and doing shit that I didn't want my kids to have to go through it. So I have I guess you call it enabled them. Like I do stuff for them and. My sweetheart now says, you know, let them do them themselves. They need to be doing that shit. But it's so hard for me. It's really hard. I grew up only child. And then, you know, I'm used to doing shit by myself and I just do it. And I'm like, oh, why didn't I have the kids do that? Or So it's, it's, a, it's a learning lesson. And, you know, being a father, you know, especially, I mean, you've jumped in when you're married, you got two right away that were, you know, out of the toddler stage. But luckily you guys, you know, had one. So it's. It's, it's, it's an experience. It's a, I would never change any of my stuff for my kids at all with, you know, there's some people I see them like they give two shits about their kids and I feel bad for them. I do too. They're missing out. Yeah. And I, just like right now, I called Candy before we got here. I go, what do you girl? I said the girls, I didn't know Aiden was with them, but they're down uh, riding bikes because the weather's nice and having a good time. I said, well, I go, have fun. And then he's like, she, she must have been on her AirPods or something like that. I can hear, you know, everybody screaming and hollering and having a good time. But we get these days like today. I mean, you know, you know how it is. You're outdoorsy family. So it's like, I'm sure after this, you guys got something planned. Yeah, we're trying to get our house ready for an appraisal. So we don't get to do the hike today, I don't think. But we usually do. That's like our Sunday thing is we'll go yeah. outside and do something outside. So. And it's always fun, even though 
for some reason when you're planning it and getting everybody together, it feels like a pain in the ass. Yeah, it's and like, then it's just fun. Makes, you know, got your sweatshirts, you got your this, yeah, because we don't know what we're going to run into because five minutes now from might be raining and. That's a good question. Why the hell do kids not want to bring a coat? I remember the feeling of like, no, mom, fuck off. I'm yeah. not bringing a coat. And I do the same thing, basketball, and I've done it. I've been coaching for, I want to say, I, I'm trying to do the math. I kind of forget about it, but it's close to 24 or 25 years. It's been a long time. I got, I actually, age range, I got out of high school, went, did shit, went in college, went in the army, came back. And I remember my was my best friend at lighter this last year, Ned Bittner. I was helping out. Not I wasn't coaching, but I was there, you know, I was like a practice player, I think they threw me, but I learned shit from that. But so we're talking from ninety four, got Ned. But I think I really started getting into coaching when like Brady Turner was in high school. I, I still got a great story about Brady. And uh um but that's uh, that must my rage and right now, but about the coach, like I'm like Bring a sweatshirt or a hat when you leave practice, and they're like, they look at you, like, yes, coach. And the next day, the fuckers don't have a. They're all in yeah. wet shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. And standing like, outside. I'm hot, coach, and they're waiting for their mom and dads. And then you always, every team has got the one parent. It's always late. Yeah, always late. And right now, at when I coach little football and and bas- basketball, and right right now, I like well. It's not the kid's fault because the kid don't have a fucking car and he's not driving. If it's high school, it's a different story. I could bust his ass. But I always like tell I've told many parents, I go, well, do you want to run for the kid? Because I know he's late because you're making him late. Well, you know, we had this and that. I'm like, it's it's like a job. I I, I run my practice. I tell them right at the get go. This is a job. As soon as you walk in here, you're punching the time clock. And that's it. And you've made a commitment. Made a commitment. To listen to the coach, yes. even if yeah. you don't agree. Yeah. And I go, I'm not here to be your friend. I go, and and it's funny, as I've gotten older, there's still, you know, guys that call me coach or, you know, Hill or something like that. Because I was like, if you guys fucking call me dude, I'm going to lose my shit. That's the one that Candy still does this just to piss me off. Just, you know, as a partner, we try to just do something. I don't know. I think it's like. We oh, try to get under each other's skins, but she's in a playful hey, way that yeah, still play, pisses you off. Yeah, it's like, hey, dude, and I'm like, don't call me fucking dude. I hate that. But I've had kids like call me dude. I go, all right, this is your last one, and you call me dude again, you're just gonna run. Okay, and I know they were like gonna think, oh, okay, dude, but they chose, you know, look, back in the day, I think I used to scare kids, but I don't, I don't even try that shit anymore. I just the kids, kids aren't built like that anymore you will scare them yeah. like for real now yeah that's like fragile. yeah they're and you can't yell and holler at them and but there is some kids that you can yell and holler at and get the ones it. are getting yelled yeah. at at home yeah <laughs> <laughs> they can handle hey, it. i know who your mom is i your ass is getting yelled at at home i could yell at you here but no you got to handle kids with with gloves now yeah you know and, and it's and i know that's the way society is but back in the day should i you probably remember we'd grab you guys by your goddamn face mask and yeah, scream. I remember you guys put on gear and came and hit us yeah, one time. I, we we're throwing us around. Yeah, I remember that was that was one of the best days. I one of the like bigger hits I've ever had. But I know it's because I had grown man strength versus high school boy strength. But I hit Mooch Smith. I think you guys like we threw an interception and someone had it and he was going to block and I hit him along the sideline and he hit like. Alex Martin that was already out of bounds. I hit Mooch went flying sideways. He hit Alex Martin. They both fell down. And of course, 
And I remember whose gear I was wearing to that day because for some reason, I think he got hurt when he hurt. I was wearing Colton's. Oh, yeah. Gear. He got kicked off the team. For yeah. That, I had, or, I had, yeah. Or so, he wasn't actually kicked. I think something it, happened. It, yeah. Irrelevant. Yeah. But. So, I, yeah, something. It was a chalker thing. Yeah. It was a Colton. Yeah. It was, <laughs> but uh, um, I had his gear on and like they, I walked down there and like, I remember, holy, they said, holy shit, coach, you look like a real football player. And I'm like, and I was like, I'm, I'm here to kick ass. That's we were <laughs> kind of shocked at how fast you were because you were, you were faster than most of the guys on the team. Actually, probably all of them I, except for like Eddie. I've been gifted even right now. Oh yeah, I don't even, yeah, I'd be watching his taillights, but. Uh, He's faster than most yeah. people. But I was gifted with speed and like, I'm, I don't know what it was. And I, the quickness, like 40, like remember my best friend, Brian, he was quicker at the 40, but like at 100, I could beat him at that, but. Distance like basketball, I could. I was one of the fastest. I wasn't a great basketball player, but I could play defense. And I only played basketball two years of my life, and then that's been my major thing of my life has been a basketball coach. If, you know, a lot of people just know me as a basketball coach. I mean, and I do other things, but it's funny. Like I hated basketball because I didn't. I didn't get a. I competitive, and I'm like, I want to play, but I also knew I sucked. I mean, I couldn't shoot the goddamn ball, but I could. My nick, kind of a nickname was they called me the glove, like Gary Payton, but I could play defense, mm-hmm. but I also was a football player, so I would foul your ass. So yeah. so I was like, oh shit, I'd foul out of a game probably in one quarter if I actually did play a lot. But um, I sat on the bench and watched the good old days. I watched Paul Jarrett and, you know, I mean, shit, we got second in state that year. I bet he got a lot of playing time. Oh yeah, he. I think he started, if I remember right. Yeah, he started. <laughs> But it, that guy was a freak of nature. He yeah. was six foot eight in high school and could dribble like a point guard. He shot three pointers and he's six foot eight. And it's just like all those big guys I've ever coached. You can't, I can't coach someone to be six foot eight. No. Like, like I'll just name a kid out and I'm not, but Joe Nesbitt, that mm-hmm. kid was huge in eighth grade, but he was lazy at eighth grade. And I think he probably would admit it, but he chose to work his ass off in high school and he got better at and he became a force in high school. But if he was our height, or I mean my height, you're a little bit taller than me, but he wouldn't have been anything like what he was. But when you're six foot eight, what the hell are you going to do? I mean, you, hold you got the, a leg up, hold the ball up, and you're like, come and try to get it, little guy. But I coached him in middle school track back in the day, and uh, he had a bit of an attitude problem. It was really good to see him kind of shake that off yeah. and become successful. Yeah, he was. I always liked Joe as a kid, but he did have an attitude, and then he did he did like you said, shook that off a little. I think he still got an edge on his shoulder, but like that's something. But I think he's curbed it and knows how to control it and stuff like that. At least the last time I was around him. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it was like I just funny story. You know, he wasn't very fast, but we throw him the ball, and he only put one hand up. And I'm like, Joe, put both hands up. And he goes, But I'm tired. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, Holy shit. And Tim was the high school coach, and he's like, Hill, uh, you just got to keep working with him. I go, he's going to be something. And I'm like, all right, we'll keep going. And he's kept plugging away. So, And yeah. he, he was a big contributor to Tim's, all of Tim's, the four years he played for Tim. So, sorry, I'm knocking on the chair. Oh, it's fine. I don't, I wasn't hearing it. Oh. <laughs> uh, do you watch basketball, like on TV? Um, every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And I used to watch it all the time, but now it's like I definitely don't watch pro basketball anymore. I just that's it's so. I guess not. I watch a little bit of it if I see it, but they're just a lot of prima donnas, and I don't like the antics. Mm-hmm. And I watch what those the kids do, and they watch 
I'll just throw a name out, LeBron James, and you'll see him whine to the referees. And then I see my kids, and I mean, over the past few years, they'll do the same thing. Yeah, they'll man. like put their hands like like go to the referee. I go, I go, and I and I try to beat it into my kids. I go, you don't look at the ref; they call it. You just live with it. You're just gonna deal with what they say because. I've been doing this for 20 some years. I've never ever seen a referee go, "Oh, that's right, coach. You're right. I'm wrong," you know, on certain things. They're not going to take a foul away that even I've, if they want to. Yeah, even if they, "Oh shit, maybe that wasn't the right call," but it's too late. But I, and there's referees they'll make up there's a makeup call and that's what you know they call that, but they'll they'll call a travel when it's not a travel and we'll get the ball back. And it's I, a really hard job. It's yeah, it's a thank it's it's Less thankless than a coach because you got everybody in the stands is a better referee than you and they see everything. And you can see more because you're just trying to focus on, you know, you got 10 kids out there running around and you have an area you're responsible for. And that's why I always tell Paul Jacobson, I go, what the fuck are you doing, dude? I coached with him and I go, why do you want to endure this? But he likes it. So, but he also- Somebody's got to do it. Thank God. Yeah. And he also is a big, intimidating looking guy. And he don't get too much shit. I'm sure there's some some the side talkers like, should he call ref? But you know, like they're like look around like, who the hell said that? You know, it wasn't me. So but you gotta have uh, you can't have I call it rabbit ears. You can't hear everything. Yeah. You just gotta like blind unless someone gets in your face and then that ain't gonna happen to a guy like that. No, probably so, not. If anyone's safe, it's him. Yeah. And I haven't seen anybody get in referees' faces since the great Gary and Larry Workla days where they've I choked referees with their. Well, that's the one thing back in the day, the olden days when I was really young. Refs actually showed up and they wore like shirt and tie, and then they changed their uniforms, you know, shirts. And the guy I remember had a shirt and tie on, and they grabbed him by the tie because he made some shitty call, and they were choking him. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they meant to choke him, but the guy was trying to get away, and they grabbed the tie and he's like, <laughs> you yeah. Know, so, yes, yeah. the Waco. Used that gym used to be completely packed every friggin' night that a high school boys game it's would play. Unfortunately, not a lot of people like to watch girls basketball. And why do you think that is? I, I don't. It's because I think it's the the fast paceness. Mm-hmm. That that word. Yeah, the pace, yeah, I think that works. The pace, yeah, the pace, the paceness. Uh, no, the pace. But I actually like watching girls basketball a little bit because they actually fundamentally. They do a lot of shit right, like the footwork and stuff, because they're not. It's it. I mean, a lot of people will disagree. It's the bigger, faster, stronger thing. Like we are bigger, faster, and stronger than most females. But but girls basketball is a great game to watch. And over the years, like just at our high school, we've had some decent teams. And now this year, it's like everything comes in cycles. The girls actually um, they lost a lot of the older leadership, and I think. I do believe Ned had three eighth graders on his team. Oh, wow. Yeah, one of them was his daughter, mm-hmm. which is, that's another thing, coaching a, one of your kids. I never, I'm doing one now, and I find when I harp, I, I yeah, I know I can yell at him, so I yell at him, and I, I'm like, joking, like, wait till we get home, you yeah. know, but- like that's a tough one, coach. But that's girls. something you can use too, because you yeah. could you could yell at your own kid for something yeah. that all the kids are doing, and that way you don't have to, and it's not going to hurt him. Yeah, and he he only worries out if when we get home if if uh, um if what I'm going to tell mom because she always how did practice go? Did you how many times did dad have to tell you to stop talking? Is she the disciplinarian? Who's yeah. the, who's good cop? Who's bad cop? Uh, we. 
we just talked about this the other night. She is the bat, the hammer, and I'm the nail. And I and and it's I don't. So she know. sends you. Yeah, so I'm. Well, I'm just the I'm the guy. I like peace and quiet, but I and I'm bad. I might overlook a lot of shit and stuff like like. Well, I just don't want to deal with it. But she she's the the bad cop, and I'm the good cop, and like, but. Kind of, is, I I don't know. Most relationship there is usually one, but it makes things easier. Yeah, I know. I need to get her back more. I like sometimes I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I should just step away from this. And you've already hammered the kids once. So, you know, do I really need to, you know, dog pile on it? But yeah, I, I we need to. That's one of my big things in our relationship is the communication and the the yin and yang of the kids, like. Be on the same page and it's stuff. Tough. Like that. That's the that's the my that's my biggest goal and that's my goal right now is just to be on the same page. And as our kids are getting older, because hopefully you know my two older boys, you know one's in high school and one's out of high school, and it's just they're going to be gone pretty soon, and we're just going to have the little ones, you know. For and to be honest, Henry's going to be a freshman next year, and uh, it's just boom, four years is going to go by fast. It really does. Yep. I just heard a Jordan Peterson clip the other day that was talking about the first four years. Oh, I actually have it right here. I'm just going to play it. Yeah, I... You have little kids for four years. And if you miss it, it's done. That's it. So you got to know that. It's, you know, lots of things in life you don't get to do more than once. Now, obviously, you can have more than one child. But the, all I'm saying is that period between zero and four, zero and five, there's something about it that's really... It's like a peak experience in life and it's much of your life you know because you think of it as a long time it's not that long man four years goes by so fast you can't believe it and if you miss it it's gone so you miss it at your peril and you don't get it back that was a really convenient clip i just yeah. happened to have that on my desktop that is a fucking fact right there it's so true and as i consider i you know as you know i'm a fucking smart ass and jokester and I like I like to make That's why people, you're here I like to make people laugh and I call people that have one kid you're not quite a parent yet you gotta be you to be a parent you gotta have two kids and I joke I'm not downgrading single one singular kids you know because that's you I mean it's a tough job being a parent it's but, a glorified pet yeah, though one kid yeah be real yeah but when you got more than one holy shit it's like juggling fucking chainsaws yeah and then when Candy and I first got together, which we're going into ten, year 10 or 11 or something like that. But, you know, I look at old, I love looking at old pictures and how much my kids have grown. But you got, you know, I'm going into a relationship. She's got a son and I got three boys and we're blending them together. And they're both like, I think Aiden was three years old and now he's going to be 14 in October. I mean, it's, it's just, uh, um, it's just crazy on how fast they grow, and like they all, at every single one of my kids, my my boys, my biological boys, have a different mindset, and then Aiden is a different mindset, and so we blended them together. And like I, my oldest is a introvert; he doesn't like to be around people, and he likes things quiet. And I remember we'd be watching a movie, and he just barely, like, hey, who's that in the back? Shh, shh. and he'd be like focused, yeah, focused. And I got my middle son, who is a little bit of both of my ex-wife and me, like fucking blab away and jokester. And he's learned. I've taught him way too many bad sh things, to, and he doesn't. He doesn't understand when to crack the joke and when not to crack the joke. So he's got a lot to learn from that. And then 
my son Henry, he has he started off life a little rough. He uh, was basically dead for three minutes and watched him just motionless for three minutes. And then finally he cried and they pumped a whole bunch of blood out of him. So he's got a little disability, learning disability and and physical disability, but he he works hard and tries to do his best he can. Was then, there it's like neural damage from the little, oxygen deprivation? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. He's got a little bit problem with his speech and his motor skills. Like he is, he has a brain that wants to play sports, but he can't like, I, the last time he played baseball, I said, this is his last year because he'd put the mitt up and he wouldn't move the mitt. The ball would be off a little bit and he just, the ball would go flying past his face and I'm like. And it would, yeah. Yeah, yeah he wouldn't move his mitt. So I knew that was something, but we got him into uh, individual sports stuff. Like he did cross country this year with Sawyer and he's not the best, but I mean. Sawyer more, said he was a delight to have on yeah, the team. More more power too. I mean, because I, I I hated long distance running, and until I was in the army, I never wanted to do long distance running. We used to have to run the mile just to get a practice jersey in basketball, and and it was like you got to get it in six minutes. And back then, six minute mile when you're in high school was easy. It is like oh, not for me, but but I would, but I that, hated it. Yeah, I, I hated it too. Yeah. Man, running was the worst. I love it now. It's weird how thing you just change. And then I the only thing I like. Only like to do with running is if I had a ball in my hand. Mm-hmm. It had to be a ball. And then, then you have purpose. Yeah. Then, but in the army, we just ran just to sing stupid songs in the in, at fucking three o'clock in the morning. What shoes do they make you wear for that? Oh my god! So, oh my god! I've actually wondered that forever because they wear boots in the movies, just like normal boots. No, you in in regular army when you get up in the morning to do PT, you had tennis shoes, but. They don't really let you. They you bring your civilian clothes and then you pack it away and then you go in the line and you they give you all your military gear, but they take you to the PX and you get whatever shoes they got on there. And I remember, I don't know what brand they were, but it was Pegasus. They were Nike Pegasus or something hmm. like that. Oh my God, they were so uncomfortable. Really? Just the same as the boots that they give you when you first start. Had blisters all over my feet, but you're out running and of course you start off with like only like four or five miles. And then they, when I graduated boot camp, we ran 20 miles and I'm like, this, that was fucking easy. That was, that was easy. And we were, we weren't sprinting and we just jogged and we were singing song and we were all hyped up because we were graduating. Yeah. It was the morning. So we were like, I could have probably ran another 20 miles. Cause I'm like, peace out. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, I, I don't have a drill sergeant screaming and yelling at me anymore. Yeah. So but it's experiences like that, though, that you remember later when you're like, I can push myself so much oh. harder than I really believe. And that most people are completely unaware of that. Yeah. And I, I and I kick myself in the ass because I have the total, total, total um, knowledge to do what I need to do to get in better shape and lose weight. And I just don't do it. I got a garage with a elliptical a uh, treadmill and a Concept Two, baby. Oh, I, you have a Concept Two rower? I love, I, w- I love rowing. Which that leads into. We'll probably talk about that in a little bit. But I did cardio rehab because I had a heart attack. Uh, I wanted to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, I had a heart attack um, going in almost six years, five years ago, at least five years ago. I can't remember. That's another thing is I dates. I remember I had it, but I don't know what the fuck date it was. But it was a while ago, five years ago. But I got on that rowing machine. And I don't know what brand it was. I think it was, but it had a little digital screen and there was a little boat 
and you're trying to catch it. Well, fuck. That's I'm, a concept too. I'm not catching that fucking thing. I'm beating it. So I would beat it every single time. And the guy would come over because I've got a monitor on. He goes, just slow down. And I'm like, I can't. I, it's You didn't take to turn that thing off. Yeah. If you want me just to stroke that thing, that's fine. So, but I think I said stroke that thing. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, <it's> fine. <laughs> but uh, um, I always thought that was something that I would have been decent at. I was, I mean, because I was, I had, I had endurance forever. I could just go and go. And I actually dated a gal in um, when she was when she went to college. I was uh, just getting out of the army, but she went to Wazoo, mm. and she was on the crew team. And I went over, and they were doing um, what's that erg test? Uh -huh. Am I saying that right? Yeah, most miserable thing I've ever done. Yeah, and I did it. And they said you. And they, I mean, I don't remember the numbers, but the. The girls that were there said, "You have the same numbers that the guys do on our, on our, our college team here, and that you could row at the school." I'm like, oh, "Well, I'm not looking to go to school. I'm, I'm, I hated school, and I went to community college and did, you know, criminal justice, you know, degree. I think I am a credit short of having an associate's degree, but I'm like, that's when I thought I wanted to be a cop, and then mm -hmm. I said, "Fuck that! I don't want to be an asshole the rest of my life." Be a hard job, and I'm not saying cops are assholes, but that's what they get paid. But it's, essentially, to do. yeah, it's like being a principal. You gotta like, ruin somebody's day. Yeah, you're, if you're seeing the principal, it's usually because you've done something wrong. So, yeah. in, but it doesn't mean the cops are not doing the right thing. Yeah, it it's, just it's, means you have to be an asshole. Yeah, to I, do did, it I didn't want to be that guy anymore. So, but uh, yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know where we're the rowing thing. The, row, the, the rowing thing. You got on the erg, and yeah, you, and you then were so I have natural. The, the, and I, yeah, I don't know about natural, but I even kind of had was able to feather my hands a little. Oh, bit. Oh, nice. So. That's actually the same exact thing that happened to me at yeah. Western. I had done the erg at Humboldt just as a workout, but I was like kind of, uh, I was a little bit strung out on drugs, and I was just really super unhealthy. Yeah. Let's put a pin on that because I want to. After we maybe talk about something, I got. I got something I got to say about when you guys were in younger. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. But, well, this is short. And yeah. then, but yeah, I thought it was just so far out of my realm of possibility. I didn't even consider it as a real sport. Mm -hmm. And then I went to Western Washington. I transferred and I was just like, I'll just do a little bit of a, a, a workout here. And they, somebody from the crew team saw me doing it and they're like, you could actually do that. Why don't you come to this meeting? And then next five years of my life, we're just immediately yeah. gone. That, yeah, that, that that's everything. A, that's that had more, I would say, from seeing it outsiders and saw a little bit of the workout. Those were some fucking hellish workouts. And then when you're comp competition, it's it's like r sprinting forever and ever. And I know yeah. it's, it's different distances and, you know, there's, you know, different number boats, you know, eight man, six man or whatever. Four, most of them, you know. most of them go to 2000 meters though for yeah. a race. race. And I went to up to UW and it's called the cut up there. Mm -hmm. I watched plenty of races up the there like cut yeah and that was it was pretty you know freaking out and then i remember going down and where well, you throw your coxswain in the water if you want or something like yeah. that so usually it was like some tiny little girl or yep. some little weaselly looking guy or whatever but most of them i think even all the guys were like a woman cause, i always preferred a girl coxswain yeah. i don't know why yeah. i mean girls are just better to be around yeah, better yeah so <laughs> i guess yeah i remember like seven guys yeah. here so that was that was actually training for you guys to learn to take orders from a woman as you got older. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't mind. I, yeah. I've got no problem with taking orders from somebody who knows what the fuck they're talking about. Exactly. Yeah, because you're not going to fuck it up. Exactly. <laughs> so, so before I forget about it, so I'm going to say kudos to you and you're a year or two younger, or a year older than you guys, because I had no idea, and I got to know other guys from in working and 
you know, we'll just say, leave some of the names out because I don't want to, you know, pinpoint, but one of the guy's names is, he only had two letters that we'd call him all the time. So, um, but I'm like, how the fuck you guys hid the, I, I consider myself pretty savvy. You guys held the after activities, you know, like out of sports, like you're like, I didn't know that about the drugs and stuff like that. And I like, like Jeff, we, we started off this thing. I never knew Jeff got into that much shit until I listened to the podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, I did not know that he ever got into any. I mean, it, I I guess no one ever, we never talked about in the circles. But like the recreational stuff that you guys did, like the pills or marijuana or whatever. Like I did not, you guys held it together in school. Only ones I ever knew that got in trouble f- for anything <laughs> would keep circling back to our good old twins and they, I think they got busted on their 17th birthday down at Long Beach Beach Approach during, I don't know if it was basketball season. Yeah, for I think sm- so. smoking weed down on the beach approach. Yeah. But shit, they were celebrating, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then together, their bir- they spent all their birthdays together. <laughs> they did. Yeah, about those years, like, I actually still, I'm 33 now, and I'm still learning about myself and, and just kind of, in retrospect, looking back, and realizing that I was, I've been self-medicating my whole life uh, mm-hmm. for for stuff that I'm still not even 100 percent sure what it is, but um, I'm I'm trying to figure it out. And- that's yeah, that's what I mean. I applaud you. I I never got into anything like that. The worst I ever did was in my 20s. I drank, and only time I did drugs is I think I smoked pot because I was trying to get laid in high school because the stoner chicks were little bit more developed yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) but i mean it's it's it was just one thing but like hear about the as times went on because when i was in school like yeah there was some people that you maybe heard about were doing speed or something like that and but other than that there was nothing else but besides Mm -hmm. weed and booze yeah and that was it our fact the internet has just made information so accessible yeah I, i think for me it was just i had gone a long time being really feeling uncomfortable in my skin. And then I found drugs and I found them by a very normal way. I got hurt. And then mm-hmm. my doctor was like, here, take these. And I was like, oh my God, I feel for the first time ever normal. Like I, this is how I want to feel forever. And uh, so then I tried for a lot of years to keep feeling like that until I realized the uh, the seeking that feeling mm-hmm. over and over and over and over again is a good way to kill yourself. And I didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah, so. I mean, I can't speak on it, but I understand what you're saying because I w- I've never been there. I mean, I know that that feeling. I had surgery; I had like upper ventricle hernia removed, and like they just numbed it and cut it out. I'm looking in the mirror, and and then he goes, oh, you, "You were awake." Yeah, and he says, "You might be sore." I I think I went to a veterinarian. <laughs> to be <laughs> honest, I don't. But I was it really young and in my 20s, and I was living in. Um, Kevin McNulty's rental down here by, uh, we used to be called Fred's Ramp Camp and a bunch of Ned Bittner and I, we all lived together. And I'm like, God, oh, my stomach hurts. And they go, they gave me these pain pills and I said I wasn't going to take them. Well, I took one. Well, it didn't help. And I took another one right after that and it hit me and I felt so goofy. And I said, I don't like the way this feels. So I've broken bones before and I'm like, nope, I didn't feel my hydrocodone or oxy. And I just, I can threw down Tylenol, you know, and I might've been ruining my body that way with Tylenol or Advil or something like that. But I just, in my brain, yeah, my brain was not, I don't want to be, I don't, I, I don't know if I wanted to not like not be addicted 
Because I grew up with, you know, with my mom having an alcoholic, abusive relationship with the the man she was in there. And I'm like, I got, I don't, which would make you think maybe I would never drink, but that didn't slow me down because I knew how to, my body always like stopped when it got to a point, like most of the time where I didn't get sick or like that, but not to say, and I didn't overdo it every once in a while, but I've been usually like in the, the realm of alcohol or drugs, like. I knew I can control that stuff. I never smoked cigarettes. I never drink coffee. I mean, I got a pop here. Oh, wow. Nope. Oh, yeah. You, I see you got I, a mountain. I, and I, use, I wasn't drinking any pop for quite a while, just every once in a while. But, uh, yeah, when I was in the Army, you didn't smoke cigarettes and you didn't drink coffee. So when is there a break time? There's not a break time. when you Because smoke break, yeah. coffee break, and like, well, Hill, what are you doing? You're not smoking. You're not drinking coffee. Get back to work. So I'm like- I bought a pack of smokes once and just had them on me, and I just held one one time just because I'm like, fuck, why should I work all the time? Yeah. When you guys are, and then I, you know, the, the now, then I learned out that people are, are uh, bums. Like, can I bum a smoke? Can I bum a smoke? Oh, and, they took all your prop yeah, smokes? Yeah, my prop smokes. I should have got the candy cigarettes. That should have been yeah. the best one. But They were still making those when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, big I time. loved them. Yeah. They wouldn't stay lit very they, well, but. they you know. The first. Do you remember when you first got them? You could blow, and the the white powder would go. Oh on. no, I never had, had those kind. They had those were sophisticated ones. Maybe. I just had the ones that were little mint sticks. Yes, yeah, top show. They were still mint sticks, but they had a hollow, and I don't know what the hell they. But you could blow through it, and then the smoke, like a fake smoke, would go out of it. And they had a red tip for the cherry, and then after that, you just <laughs> chewed them up, and they mm-hmm. were gone and everything. But yeah, all what the weird candy. Yeah, to make for kids. Well, I'm. I'm gonna guess the cigarette company had something to do with that. I would have a yeah. yeah so, I would think so. Yeah, there's no more uh, Marlboro Man or Joe Cool commercials anymore. No, nope, but you're not allowed to sell cigarettes to kids anymore. Yeah, and that's the other thing. You got to be what 21 now. I didn't even. I've heard about that recently. I didn't even Which, know that was gonna happen. I got mixed emotions about that. Being on my military side, is that if you're 18 and you're in the service, I think you sh- and you can die for your country. You should be able to drink a beer. You should smoke a cigarette. I think so, too. Do whatever. Rent do a I, car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rent a car. Yeah. But then again, are you ready for it? Probably not. But, Probably not. But you but are if, ready to make the choice. Yeah. If you raised your hand and said, I will die for my you know country, then I'm like, hell yeah. So You might not have been ready for that either. Yeah. Maybe they should just raise the age of, of yeah. enlistment. So, but then we wouldn't have any soldiers. Yeah, yeah, because then you're you're smarter, and then you know you don't want to do that shit. So. Yeah, I mean, I would never trade my time. I was in um, the army, and I got out and joined the Army National Guard because they were downsides and combat arms. And the National Guard was kind of I wouldn't say it's a joke, but it's not as is more it's not as disciplined and all that kind of stuff. Like the scouts. Yeah, but it it they. Do they have a Pinewood Derby? Yeah, they didn't have a Pinewood Derby, but I would I, join I, if they did. I love the Pinewood Derby. Oh man. God, man, you me probably too. Had, you probably had some cool ones because it was like your a, dad a legacy. Probably, your dad could probably make some cool ass cars. Or Do you remember? Pa- or at least paint them. Yeah, that's what we, we painted them with real car paint. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember Awanas? It was like a religious youth groupy thing that they did. It was probably twenty years ago or more that they stopped doing it, but. They had an, a Pinewood Derby that we would do. Mm-hmm. I, it was up at the Ocean Park Church, something. Oh, well, remember. then I don't know about it because it was up that far. Yeah, <laughs> uh, up in the boonies. But that's uh, that's where I met the Jenkins brothers. Do you remember Thomas Jenkins yeah, yeah. and Chad Jenkins? Uh-huh. Great guys. But um, yeah, I met them there causing a ruckus. But um, yeah, they had a Pinewood Derby and we would do it every year and we would win every time. I would, when I lived in the Dalles, we had Pinewood Derby and going back to have a single mom. Well, they give you the block of wood 
we don't have a goddamn tools, a jigsaw, jig, or, a jig, yeah, or anything, whittle that a thing, coping saw or anything like that. So it looked pretty janky, you know. I we do, and I'd paint it and stuff like that. And but then it would be crazy because you know, I were I don't you know you don't have no one ever looks at their mom like oh my mom was good looking, but my mom must have been fairly attractive to the men that were around there that were single because they boy they would come over and help me out with my car and like. Oh no, I got to drill and we'll drill some, add some weight to the back and we'll cut off the front and, and, you know, put some graphite on the wheels and all sorts of shit. And I'm like, it's like, I don't even know who the hell you are. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. We go to the, um, it was called the racket factory. It had racquetball and tennis and weightlift and a swimming pool and sauna and all that kind of good shit in it. And all of a sudden there's guys that want to take me to go play racquetball and, 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 uh, all that shit. And I was like, okay, but you know, not having a, man in life like oh this guy's cool or well, hey i'm gonna take your son fishing well he was fishing for something else so. yeah <laughs> did your mom date much or did you she, have she had that long term relationship that we lived in the dows and then we got out of it and then when we moved here she dated a few guys and it was it's i mean it the only way it sucked like you know a different guy here and there and then especially when i got older i'm like fuck this guy you know and yeah then, i bet and then she was a bar t- the you know, trying to do what she could and she bartended. Well, you meet fucking, and she met all these fishermen. And then my stepdad now is a fisherman she met, but I remember, you know, her having guys over and then like, well, what, she just got off work. Well, this fucking guy's been sitting at the bar drinking all night, you know, and I'm like, I don't want to hear your stories, dude. I Get live fucker yeah. out of here. And I remember as I got older, I'm like, I go, I go, I'm not be very big, but I know I could probably be your drunk ass right now, yeah. but it was, it was, and I was always hoping for something good. And then she met my stepdad and everything was cool. And I have a half sister It come and then she's a, uh, um, handicapped. She had a rare chromosome disorder. So it wasn't a, I'm 17 years or 18 years difference than her. And it, when you have somebody in your life that's handicapped, it's, it's, it's not, it's not the normal life. Cause you always like, oh yeah, I'd have your sister. And, you know, but she was like, you know, mentally you know, about five her whole life and, and everything. So it was tough, but, you know, my mom, you know, does what she can to help out with, her, you know, and, and it's a t- full-time job taking care of my sister, which it's, you know, some people like, oh, why doesn't your mom do this? I go, well, my sister can't function without having, you know, someone with her there, but she's getting out and doing stuff in the public and it's, it is what it is, but that's a touchy subject. So, yeah, but, uh, but other than that, that's um, where where where, where would this all start from? I don't even I, remember. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to but take that actually, this is from... a, this is a better uh, better transition because yeah. so I have been doing a ton of research these last few days on neurodiverse brain types because I, I'm just going to be completely honest about this whole thing. I I'm not sure what it is that is different about my brain, but it's different, and I. For a long time, I had a very clear view of who I am in the world and what I'm good at and what I'm not good at and what I believed other people viewed me as. And then I recently just started finding things that challenged that and it kind of freaked me out a little bit. And so I I fell into a bit of a rabbit hole research because so I've, I'm diagnosed with ADHD, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which I always felt like it just sounded so um, unimportant, almost irrelevant, like, okay, yeah, so it's hard for you to focus on stuff that you don't want to do. Join the club. Everybody has that problem. So it didn't ever feel like something that I could use as a way to make people understand 
why I'm a little frazzled or why, mm -hmm. you know, I might not remember an appointment or whatever. Lots of stuff because everybody forgets appointments. Everybody does that yeah. stuff. It, so it just, it didn't feel like justification for me. And I just, I, I just internalized all of that as just self-judgment. Uh, I'm just like, well, I'm just not good enough to get there on time or I'm just not, I, there's something wrong with me to where I can't function in that group. And it, um, I, I'm okay with that. I, yeah. It just became who I was. Well, the, the crazy thing is, you know, how many years ago was that I coached? 20? 20, 20 years Yeah, ago. so, I mean, I, I don't remember everything about you, but you were quiet and you didn't say much and all that kind of stuff. And what do we kind of, we visualize people like, if you don't talk very much, like, are you a dummy or something like that? You don't talk? Dude, yeah. I'll give you, you're fucking pretty sharp dude and i'm not i, mean, oh, I appreciate I, that i listen to you and you're well spoken i don't you know you say some words that like i know what they are but i don't fucking put them in my sentences <laughs> like you do and and that's i think you're you're really i mean you're a very intelligent person which i did not know that about you from just that you know high school yeah i was just your coach i mean i mm -hmm. just there you know we were just trying to uh, i would break necks and cash checks you know <laughs> yeah you're teaching me how to do sport yeah i just and and but it, and listen to this, and you know that's why I went back. Like today, I had to drive to Astoria. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go back in time, and, and I listened to you and Jeff. And I remember, you're like, you're like, hey, Jeff, is that you? And you're like, oh, you know very many of your Jeffs. And you're like, oh, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of shady ones or something yeah, like that. Not all good. Yeah, <laughs> not all good. But it was just like listening to like you evolve into like, because I'm gonna tell you right now, this sound was totally different that mm -hmm. first one. I felt like Hilton, I think when you probably listened it back, he probably said, dude, were you in a, uh, a like a cylinder? A tunnel like, or something. Oh, it, was like, it was like that. Yeah. I don't know if I screwed up the mic there by doing that. But uh, See, it, I'm on completely different mics now than I yeah, had then. Yeah, it's, I mean, and yeah. I know this is in you, or that's why I'm getting it. You're smart and you research this shit and you know what you need to do. But you're also, you're, you know, I know you're a family man. You're a baller on a budget. Yeah. You know, and you, you, you know, you're not trying to go into debt just to, you know, put this out and then, all and then this goes back to the same kind of stuff I did, coaching. How many hours? I mean, like I know you talk about you're editing this stuff and you're trying to put out the best product you can. And like coaching, we're practicing and we're gone away from our families. You know that you don't want to be a gone, but you need to do this because it you want to perform and show what you can. And like, and so much of the work is behind the scenes. Yeah, no one ever even knows about it. Like when I coached high school basketball, when you had summer leagues and all that kind of stuff, and like the, the years, like like the six solid years that would coach with Matt Blair. We, we, one time we tried to figure out like my little salary that I got and all the time I put into it. And I think it was 57 cents an hour that it was kind of broke down to. And I'm like, you know, and I didn't coach for the money cause you couldn't coach. If you're coaching for the money. Yeah, then nobody does. Yeah. You're just not and like, um, and even though this, like even coaching this year in junior high, I mean, yeah, I get a little bit of money out of it, but you know, the time you got to put in away from the family and it doesn't even cover your gas. No. And, and especially now I shit, <laughs> I think I'd be riding my bike to practice now from now on, but yeah, it's just, it's just something that you do. And I compliment you on or kudos to you on what you've turned this into. And I, I'm not, I'm not trying to get you a big head, but dude, you're personally, I mean, I'm a, um, like a, emotional guy but like you are you're friggin i'm not trying to get like lovey touchy on your oh, nothing. No, hell, but no dude you're, but you're I feel, yeah later on <laughs> but no you 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 
you surprise me. I, I don't even know how else. I'm trying to put this in the words of like other people that maybe don't know you. Because, like, I know you want this. You want some guy in fucking Mississippi, like, oh, what, ramble by the river? I, you know, that sounds cool. And then I just want human, branch out. humans to connect. But I love the fact that I'm learning more shit about people that I know. I mean, like, f- I forgot about Cooper. Uh-huh. Well, fuck, that kid, he played football. But he he was another one, fucking closed book. And then all this shit, he, he, he's probably one of the top ones, except for I did really dig your last one with Seth. Your, oh, yeah. yeah. Seth's cool. I, I like to hang out with that dude. Seth <laughs> makes me feel more motivated about the future. Yeah. Because there are kids. Yeah, he's, he's 20s, not a kid. He's yeah. early 20s. But he's, a, well, he's got a good head he's on his shoulders. Maybe not a kid to you, he, but he's he, a kid to me, yeah, yeah. so But he cares about the world yeah. and and about his impact on it and that yeah. that if if every person in their 20s regardless if they're the left or the right yeah. or whatever if they just care about the world and how they can affect it then we'll be okay yeah that's a one that's one of my downfalls in life is i don't i just do my thing and unless it affects my family i don't give a shit about it that is the same thing that and, is that is i don't but i know but you are part of the world yeah but i know that sometimes you maybe should stick up for something and, and I, if i see something wrong and i know it's wrong i'll stick up for it but i don't i don't i just go back to like i don't know half the shit and why we're this russia and ukraine is going on and and, it, it, and it's if it's bad that i'm saying this i don't if i don't care because it's not really it doesn't jive up with what my kids are eating for breakfast or what's going on. i mean i'm focused on on 11 on the 11th of this Next week on Friday at fucking midnight, my kid don't have have to wear a fucking mask to school anymore on Monday. Yeah, I'm so jacked about that. My son Henry told Candy, he goes, she goes, you ready for track? And he goes, yeah, but I'm more ready for when I don't have to wear a mask on Monday the next time I go to school. And that like, will be cool. I don't think saying that you don't care about the conflict yeah. is the same as saying that conflict is unimportant. Yeah, it's well, just yeah. saying it's not part of your world. Yeah, and it's just like the elections, like I. I, I'm in my brain. Whoever we get, you're you're basically a, the presence of face to point a finger at. Yeah. And like, okay, and you, the guys, whoever it is, I don't care who it is. If you're not going to fucking do the right for everybody, so someone's always going to be pissed off at you about something. But if you piss off less people, then that's probably when you're going to go for eight more years. After, Unless everybody just forgets about you, yeah, they're not talking about you because they're not mad. Yeah, so but it just and that's like sometimes I don't like I'll vote for who I want to vote for, but like I just have a hard time believing that out of this United States of America and all these politicians we have that that the last you know four years ago and then this last two years like these are the two best fucking jokers we can pull out of a fucking hat. Yeah, I mean, holy shit, I, and everybody. Feels like that, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's really hard to believe in that system. Yeah, and then, but then there's, and then, then you get into the like, what's the truth and what's not the truth, and I'm like, that's why I just like I put on my blinders, and and just deal with what I got to deal with. And like this year, got back into coaching because I quit for two years, and I think Tim Harrell set me up at a cross country match because I know I ran into your wife, Alana Melissa, and she's like. Are you going to coach basketball this year? And I'm like, oh, I wasn't planning on it. And I ran into some other mom, the seventh grader. Are you going to coach? And then at the end of the track, where we got to where they started, Tim goes, "You thought about coaching basketball?" And I, I have no idea if if he set me up or what. And I had Aiden's grandparents from Virginia there, 
And I go, what's up with all this basketball talk? I go, well, I fucking officially retired two years ago. And like, I thought COVID was a good way to get out of it. And now I got a son playing and he doesn't have a coach. And I'm like, oh, what the hell? Oh, yes. And then I'm like, I got, so did you set all these moms up after me? And I'm like, he goes, no, I didn't have anything to do with it. But I'm glad I got back into it because I actually had lost that fire for it a little bit. Uh huh. Because, I mean, just like when we took pictures, like, like the guy goes, are you going to get in the picture? I go, it's not my team. I go, it's their team. Mm-hmm. I don't, I used to be in the pictures and stuff like that, but then I grew out of it and I'm like, they're not, I didn't play. I gave them the tools to play, but it's their team. I go, my job is to beat that other joker over there. My, I'm my, my chess match is that other coach. And I've gotten to where I could, I, I get off on fucking up the, what they got to do. Like if we're beating them at something, they call a timeout. I will totally change what we were doing because that coach just spent a minute say, okay, they're playing man to man. We got to do this and do that. And you set the screens. We're like, all right, guys, we don't play zone, but we're going to go out and play a zone defense. And that guy's in my brain, I'm thinking that guy's going to shit his pants because he does like, he just told their kids what to do for a minute. And they're like, coach, what do we do? We're not doing what we had to do. So that's my, that's my get off. That does sound fun. Yeah. Yeah, and just like this year, I finally have been trying to pull this off for I don't know how many years now. It was at halftime we came out. We lined up like we were going to play go one way when our basket was the other way, and the other coach and the players did not recognize it, and we throw the ball in, and it's perfect. And um, kid, I'm not even going to call him out, but he dribbled down, he fucking missed the Uh lay-in, and the other team got it. And uh, I was like, oh, but it my. worked. But it worked. And I'm like, yes, it worked. But God, we didn't capitalize on it. So mm-hmm. that's, he should have dunked it. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's, I don't know, even know if that little shit can even touch the net. So that's but, when basketball starts getting fun to watch. And that's probably also why people don't like watching girls play, is they don't dunk it nearly enough. <laughs> nearly enough. Yeah. That's the whole. But now, again, the three point line, I don't even, kids don't even like to step inside that three point line. They'd rather shoot a three. And I know. My dumb ass went to Waco. I still know math. I go, three points, a three-pointer is worth more than a dunk. But in my mind, a dunk is you, I fuck, in your face. In the, that, <laughs> that's a psychological Yeah, move. like, holy shit. But yeah. we're also, we grew up in a, a town where white men can't jump. So. That's true. That's true. So, and that's just, I mean, I'm not putting it any, but we haven't had too many dunkers around here. And no. this year we had a, what, Sam, uh, he can dunk. I don't know if he went to any. High, I didn't high catch school. it, but Sawyer was telling me. Yeah, some of the young kids. And that's another thing is, I tell these high school players, these kids right here are watching what you do and whatever you do, they're going to practice. And I see it; they're fucking dribbling between their legs. I mean, Jaden Turner, I had him in eighth grade, and I I knew he was going to be a basketball player, and he's a hell of a basketball player. But all these little kids are like, you know, that's an that's a role model, an idol. I mean, they want to be a basketball player, like Jaden and your son's group. That's another group of kids that's got a, you know, seven kids. That's a core group. And I know you got a weekend free this weekend from no basketball. It's rare. Yeah. I think you got what one more or two more. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. I th- I, the reason why I think I know is because I'm trying to get a damn from our, let's put this out there. Set this year's seventh grade, we went undefeated. And I don't, I mean, our competition wasn't the greatest, but win's a win you know, whatever. And uh, I don't think in, there's not too many teams that you ever go undefeated. 
No, and, that's and pretty, so pretty we're tr- amazing. I'm trying to get, uh, you know, get everybody together, but I got Rob and Katie and Ryan taking kids every weekend and, and I don't, it, after schools, got baseball going on, tracks going on. And at night on during the school nights, not the best idea. And I'm trying to get them all together. And I don't, I don't know when this will air, but probably about a month, month. maybe three yeah, weeks. So it'll be all over with that. So I'll just put it out there. Rob and Katie Cunningham, awesome people. They got the kids, they had shirts made up and it said something about our undefeated season. Sweet. And so they're going to get that. I love the Cunninghams. Yeah. They're good people. They're really good. And he puts a lot of time and effort. Schedule in. a little too much basketball, yeah. but we can forget that. <laughs> but, uh, um, but then, and then, but just getting everybody together, it's like, it's, it's just hard to do in the schedules and, you know, like, oh, we're going this night or that. So you hope- have to end up having to accept somebody's not going to be there or yeah. something. And they, and they, we even, I, I got, I still got it. I'm going to Schnook Observer tomorrow and I got an early team picture from Bell Studios and going to get that in the paper. And then I'm, I don't, I'm not looking to put like, I mean, everybody that knows our basketball team, we got a superstar and, um, you know, and that's the whole thing is like, I told them at the beginning of the season, I go, would you rather one guy score every damn point and we win or if everybody scored 10 points and we lost? Because there's a lot of kids out there that think if they don't score that they didn't do anything for the team. But if you rebounded and That's a cultural it, problem. Yeah. And it's just like, it's the, like the, the I, it's not the, yeah. it's it the needs me to be and the I, it is, it's not, not the team. Individualist. But, but like, and these kids, I mean, and I know kids just say, yeah, okay, just to get you to shut up. You know, when you're on a team. You are, you are the, the unit is the five people. Yeah. Like if you're part of that, you're part of that. It's, you can't be it taken out. Yeah. And then in an, in every team, and then you know about this sports, you got the lesser players what I loved about this group of kids is like the soup, the stars of our team were on the bench and just rooting like crazy when the other guys were in the game to score. And I had a goal. Everybody was going to score this year. And we, we fell short on that. We had one guy that did not score, but it wasn't a lack of him getting shots. Cause we, I mean, every time it went up there, oh, and then just barely miss and barely miss. And I'm like, Oh shit, we're never going to, and I was like trying to go, just drive to the basket. Maybe they'll foul you and you'll get a free throw. And it, that, at least it's more focused on that. Yeah. But, I don't know. I think that the world, not just the world, but in specifically in basketball or any other sport, it's okay to have different roles. Like people yeah. people act like That's, my kid needs to be in and get as much playing time as Chase. It's mm-hmm. like, the fuck he does? Chase yeah. is a superstar. Yeah. But. That's what makes the world go around. Everybody's yeah. got a job. I mean, we got Chase yeah. couldn't do that if he didn't have support. Yeah. Well, I don't know if Chase could. Michael Jordan could, but yeah. not most yeah. of the time. You need the whole team. You need the unit to work together, and it's okay to be a supporter of that. Yeah. Like, and, I actually have a good example. So I played center in football from fourth grade to twelfth grade. That's what I did, and mm-hmm. I did not like it, not at all, not from the beginning to the end. I didn't like playing center. It's a shitty position. Yeah. <laughs> like the quarterback touches your ass every yeah. play. Everybody's always talking about it. You have to like call the huddle, which yeah. I fucking hated. <laughs> hated putting my we, arms in yeah, there. Yeah, both the, both the arms, right? Yeah. yeah. I remember we used like, to tell you that. Like, get them huddled up. My personality type, <laughs> I just, I can't stand having everybody's attention on me. And so doing that was very hard for me. But I was just like, I picked it as my job. This is going to be my job. I'm going to do it. And I felt genuine pride yeah. o- over the years when my team won and stuff because I, I got to be a part you, of it. I blocked. I you were the, the first person to touch the ball. If yeah. you didn't get your ball between your legs to 
someone with their hand up your ass, then you wouldn't have got handed off to somebody else. Nothing else would happen. Yeah, you wouldn't have watched Eddie or Alex Martin scoring all these touchdowns. Exactly, <laughs> which I genuinely loved. It was. Yeah. It's like. It's Did you not... ever score a touchdown? Fuck no. <laughs> I actually I picked up a fumble one time. Actually, two times picked up a fumble, and I was I was just gonna haul ass down to the end zone. It was wide open. And I tripped over my own feet and fell on my face. <laughs> and then, like, one game later, same exact thing happened. But this time, I made sure to get my footing, grab that ball, pick it up. And then, right as I'm just starting to run, RJ tackles me from behind. Oh, shit. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> RJ, yeah, that was that kid was a friggin' beast. Yeah, he was. He, I think he had a broken back, leg, neck, and he still played football. <laughs> He's like a bulldog. <laughs> yeah. It's like you, you weren't going to have to kill him to make him stop. But Yeah. Yeah, it, um. Like back to the just the, the team concept, you know, and everybody's got the role. And if everybody would just not listen to what they other people tell them and just you yeah. know do what they want to do, and like the worst is I got the kids that they I'm telling them what to do, but they look over my head because mom and dad are and they're like ah, they're screaming, "You need to do this!" And I know that kid. Um, we'll go back to the high school days because that was more competitive, like. Especially if it was a bus ride and they go, oh, I'm riding with my dad and mom home. Like, oh, that fucking poor kid. Yeah. He's going to spend two hours or let's say we're in Stevenson. going to spend fucking four hours listening to his dad say how much of a dipshit me and the coach were and that you should have played more. And if you would have done this better and this better and, you know, that so-and-so sucks, but coach has him starting over you. That's and so I, unhealthy. Yeah. But it I, happens a lot. I try to like Jedi mind trick kids and like, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter who you – who, starts the game it's who finishes the game if it's a tight game and the kid that started sitting on the bench and you were on the bench when it started and you're you're the reason why we won the game who's got the more important role and i've and i've you know and maybe i'm letting my secrets out but i used to i start kids sometimes because it's a mental thing to them yeah and if i didn't start them they would i, I can tell their body language on the bench they're like Ooh, you know they're, they they don't they're not i might yeah, yeah i already gave up so there's kids that I've started, which I know does not deserve to start, but it, to get more out of them in the end, and they would be like, and why am I the first one out? I'm like, well, guess what? Because little Johnny's a better basketball player than you, and I want him in when it's crunch time. So, And that doesn't mean that you're not special. Yeah, and so it's, it's I call it the Jedi mind trick. I mean, I've done some some shit. I got, we. I mean, back to like when I'm trying to age myself, but like when Brady Turner was in high school, we went to... It was a loser out to go to state, and I can't I think we were playing of all. I think it was Tenino or something like that, and our kid on our team point guard sprained his ankle. Just fuck, it blew up, and I'm like, oh shit, we don't have anybody to dribble the ball up the court and all that kind of shit. And I we were in Kelso, and we stayed the night at a hotel. And I got up in the morning, and I I went down to Safeway, and I um I said, what the hell am I gonna do? So I got this stuff called Tiger Bomb. Oh, I know the stuff. Yeah, and so it's got it's got a cool tiger on it. It's icy hot. Yeah, but all it is. And I said, "Hey, I used to live in Longview. I went to a friend that has an Oriental place. This is friggin', this will help heal you straight I, from the east." Yeah, and I said I had him icing it in water, you know, all morning long. I rubbed his stuff on it. You know, we had hot and colds, all sorts of shit, and. This ankle was the size of a grapefruit, but he got out. He's like, we taped it up. He's like, oh my god, coach! What? He's running and juking and jiving and all sorts of stuff. And then halfway through the game, he like just 
lateral move and that was what it took and he was down again. But I got like, almost three quarters out of him on a fucking trick. That yeah, it's it's crazy and, how the powerful yeah. the mind is. Yeah, and people that know me and know what maybe team that was, but that was I remember that kid fucking just a solid piece of muscle. His name was Dylan Rogers, just a huge just a, it wasn't huge as a little guy, but just solid muscle. And there was some all over the years I've had some uh, fortunately I had some great kids that I've coached now, which are all men now. I mean, your group, that was a you guys were Fucking characters. I mean, just yeah, it's a fun group. Yeah, it's real fun. I had you know serious kids. I mean, the best, not the best in uh, all together. But I can like Scott Poose when I coached there, we got fourth in state. But my best as a assistant coach, we got seventh in state with like uh, the class with Andy Hudkins. Oh yeah, and Kyle Kino and my um, was now Ryan Ra- on that team. Who was Ryan Cadwell on that? Team? Ryan was yeah. He was younger. Was he was junior. Yeah, junior. But uh, had um, like my brother-in-law Dustin oh, Stall, Randy Weiger, yeah, Tony Ra- Cree. Yeah, Tony Cree. Right? Yeah, but Randy. God, I wish that he quit basketball. Oh. He's he got into it with the head coach, and I thought he was he was one of those. You know, he he thought he probably should be playing more, and I don't think he just butted heads and he quit. He was very into basketball. Yeah, yeah he was huge, and I wish he would have never quit. But he was he would have helped us out a lot. But that was a good. We got seventh in state. And I remember we were playing the game to where we were going to play for fourth or seventh. And Kyle Kino's dad, John, they, Sports Boosters was huge back then. You know, had, Was he a county commissioner at the time? He might have still been, yeah. But we had, they had more money than God. They had the crab feed, the, the kite festival. Ed Cattell was huge in that. He was back when I was in high school, was huge in it. And some big boosters back yeah, then. Yeah, big, huge, but tons of money. And I remember we won that game and we're screaming because we know we're going to get a trophy. We're just, we haven't got a trophy since I was a junior in high school. And we know we're going to get a trophy. And I looked, I point at John, and I know he already had to bet something about if he, we placed, he's going to have to shave his mustache off. It's like he had a mustache forever. But I knew he had, they were going to buck up. And I always started doing the money sign where you rub your thumbs and fingers together. And I go, pay up, motherfucker. And like, I'm screaming. I shouldn't have been cussing on the high school space. Because I'd like, and I remember we went out that night and I think there was like 20 some cheerleaders on the team back then. I mean, these girls went at Blazer games, all sorts of shit. And we had the, you know, I don't know if the band was, to be honest, I don't know. We were so happy. And we went to a steak restaurant in Yakima. And I mean, the boosters bought Elva's steaks. I mean, I'm sure every meal was 25 bucks plus. And they were so happy to pay that. I mean, we haven't had glory in so many years. And just the life, the shit I've learned from the kids and what I hopefully taught them, you know, and stuff like that. And and I got like Mooch Smith is up in Nacelle as an AD. And I just like, I reached out to him. I said, hey, I want you know, know about this and that. And I, I got some info from him. He didn't even realize probably what I was doing, that I got info from him about how their team was. Oh. I, I did it like scouting uh-huh. without him knowing I was doing scouting. He goes, well, we're all right. And I don't know if you, you were at that game when we played Nacelle, like we played two quarters against their eighth graders and two quarters against their seventh grade. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I so in the two, one. in the first and third quarter, the eighth graders, we actually won by one point. And we held their seventh graders to only one point in two quarters. So and that was he, a fun game to watch. And he called me up after the game or waited for him. He goes, "You son of a bitch, sandbag and mother." And I go, "We're not that good. I compared to like some of the teams I've had in the past. We're not that good." 
He goes, you beat us by 33 points. And I'm like, in basketball, that's a good ass beating. Yeah. You know, and, and I know that the, the eighth graders, if they maybe played the whole game, we probably would have maybe a different story because that goes back to, you know, bigger, faster, stronger usually prevails in, in the world of sports, you know, most of the time. But I like to always think that in my brain and in, in coaching that if we had the same equal of teams or if you had a little bit better, and I think I could hopefully out coach you and get my kids to work harder and be in the right place at the right time. That is what the skill is, especially at the younger age yeah. when the, like teach them the fundamentals and then just motivate them to do it. I mean, cause one of the better years we had in school with coaching basketball, I had, uh, and you probably remember Jordan Williams, yep. Dylan Workla, Scott Fargolin. With these guys were all cross country, and I want to. I, I mean, they're a bunch I, of fancy boys. I love these guys, but I, they laugh at it. They were nerds because yeah. when you look on the bus and they I can got guys in the back with their laptops on the, after a away game, and they they're doing homework on the bus because they're keeping their four And I say nerds in a, a you know a term of endearment because I love that these kids were smart. They were, they were motivated most, and successful. And I said, you guys, though, couldn't beat your way out of a wet paper bag. I go, you guys were a bunch of pussies and stuff <laughs> like that. But we got you to be in the right spot at the right time. And and that was a one of the best compliments I've ever got as a coach, Matt and I, Blair, was at state tournament. And we held a team one time. We held a team to uh, like one point. In a, in a quarter, and we set a state record. Of course, next year someone tied it, so we're but we're still associated with it unless somebody else scored zero. But like you guys got the best defense I've ever seen, and I with those younger guys, and I'm like, they're just a bunch of cross country, you know, weenies. And yeah. and I'm saying that they're not like the big football players like some of the other players had or we've had in the past, but. I always said they were uh, powered by wind because they just could run so fast and the wind would. There's you know, some truth to that. Yeah, and yeah, but they were great guys, and I still every time I see those guys, I like, I'm like, I see. Last time I saw uh, Scott Farley, I'm like, it was like we, he just was in high school with me, and we, you know, cracking jokes at him. And I've like, been trying to get him to come on the podcast for a year. He's always him, busy having him, kids, starting bands, being yeah, a famous. You rock know, you star. should, you should. Uh, that'll be a good. Maybe tag team one with him and his brother. Oh, that would be great. Yawn. You got Yawn on one side hanging his ass from a tree, cutting, and then you got Scott in there drawing up house plans and shit like that. So yeah, we're me and Yawn are both in vegetation management, also, so we could talk about you know yeah plants killing shit. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. I I, that that's a that's the one thing I always hear you talking about that, and you're like you never people don't think about that. Like there goes Jeff. He's off with a backpack full of weed killer and he's spend eight, 10 hours by himself all day long. Yeah. So, make you go crazy. Yeah. But you evolved in your job. So, I mean, I don't know too much about all the stuff that you do, but I know kind of just of what you do and everything, but it's, I've watched how you got, went from, you know, where you at to, you know, mm-hmm. where you are now. So. Do you want to talk about your job a little bit? Sure. I work for a company called Marine Spill Response Corporation. It's a nationwide oil spill company we don't just do waterway stuff okay guys that's all you get this week if you want to hear a little bit about chris's job and a little bit more about his adventures come on back next week and catch part two of the episode featuring chris hill thank you guys so much for listening it has been a pleasure as always don't forget to like on social media subscribe on podcast players and of course talk about the podcast 
with your friends and family around water coolers and such. And that's the best way to help us spread the show. So thanks again for being here. I really appreciate it. Check out RambleByTheRiver.com for anything related to the show. And I will catch you guys next week. Thanks a lot and have a pleasant day. I'm free. Can't nobody take me here and now. Dream.